Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Newsweek's Foreign Service. I'm Josh Lowe. And I'm Erin Geda. And each week we look at the big stories from the US and what they mean for the rest of the world. So this week we're talking about healthcare, namely healthcare in the US, uh, because obviously Trump's had his first big loss as president. You know, he wanted to implement Trump Care, his version of Obamacare, um, that would involve repealing and replacing the Affordable Care Act, and it's failed. They haven't even been able to take it to a vote because they just didn't have enough Republican support for it. So how do we get here? Just to cast your mind back very briefly, uh, Barack Obama signed uh, the uh, Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, uh, into law in 2010, um, and this was was his very hopeful message at the time. For as we mark uh, the turning of spring, we also mark a new season in America. In a few moments, when I sign this bill, all of the overheated rhetoric over reform will finally confront the reality of reform. So we just heard him uh, there saying America is entering a new season, um, a very bold rhetoric about reform. It didn't quite pan out that way. Obamacare, the way it was designed, took five years to come in. During that time, inevitably, there were problems, there were teething problems. Um, as part of the Republican Party's uh, strategy of being what they called the party of no, which was just sort of slamming everything Obama did, they spent much of those intervening five years really targeting on Obamacare, really focusing on it as a kind of symbol of the failure of his administration and saying that they were going to repeal it in the case of the more extreme right-wing Republicans and repeal and replace it in the case of some more moderate Republicans. And that, Josh, touches on, you know, really one of the reasons why it failed, because you're completely right. They've had seven years to work out what they wanted to do. But the problem is there are such deep divides within the Republican Party, notably between the more moderates, the sort of the, the Paul Ryans, if you like, and, and the more right wing, that they never worked out exactly what, what the replacement would look like. So when they were saying, you know, we're, we're going to bring in a new act, it made headlines, basically, that something like 24, maybe 28 million people would lose health healthcare insurance. And suddenly, a lot of Republicans began realising if they pushed ahead with this, they were going to lose voters. And that is part of the reason why, you know, the bill never even made it to a vote. And so now we've ended up in a situation where Trump has failed to achieve one of his key campaign promises to repeal and replace Obamacare. And that's obviously got implications not only for healthcare but for other legislation going forward. So to talk a bit more about that, uh, it's not just me and Mirren uh, telling you all this. We've got a couple of great guests in and we're just going to let them introduce themselves. I'm Xenia Wickett. I run the U.S. and the Americas program at Chatham House. I'm Brian Kloss. I'm a fellow at the London School of Economics and author of The Despot's Accomplice. Um, so let's just go back to quite a sort of basic level to start with. What's, what, what's going on here? Why is Trump uh, trying to repeal Obamacare? Well, I think the first thing to say is it's not that Trump is trying to repeal Obamacare. The Republicans in Congress are trying to repeal Obamacare. I mean, it became a huge issue. Obama um, moved it forward about seven years ago, quite early on in his campaign. Uh, there's been attempts at reform of health care. Uh, the most memorable occasion is back in the Clinton era. And 
the big issue here is it's, it's the balance of whether you believe that the government should be supporting the American people writ large or whether you believe that there should be a small role for government and everybody should be responsible for themselves. Very simplistically, the Republicans believe that there should be small government. Uh, the Democrats believe that there should be a social safety net. Obamacare is all about bringing more people into the system, insuring more people. That means it's more expensive. Um, but yes, it did insure more people. So for seven years, the Republicans have been trying to repeal it. Uh, now that they have both the Senate, the House and the presidency, they've been trying to repeal it. Um, and they failed. The Republicans also remember they they repealed, uh, they voted to repeal Obamacare 60 different times in the time that uh, after Obama passed it and signed it. And now that they're in the government, you know, they're, they're unable to cobble the votes. I think this is also indicative of the fact that the caucus itself is extremely divided. I mean, that's why John Boehner was uh, basically ousted and why Paul Ryan is, is on the ropes now, because the Freedom Caucus, the far right, does not see eye to eye with the moderates in the Republican Party. And governing requires that they compromise or that the moderates in the Republican Party work with the Democrats to pass some legislation, which I think is probably less likely until uh, things really get bad for the Republicans. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that it, you're right that it's, uh, it's absolutely not the center point of what Trump gets up in the morning and thinks about. But it is a hugely embarrassing defeat for him, especially because people like Sean Spicer did not back away from claims that he's the grand dealmaker or the closer. Uh, and, and, and that was embarrassing for them. But it's also, I mean, it's really embarrassing for the Republicans because, as you mentioned, Xenia, they've been wanting to repeal and replace Obamacare for seven years. And it, it kind of begs the question, I mean, what were they doing for those seven years? Why didn't no one put a concrete plan into place? It's, it's not that there wasn't a concrete plan. It's, it's, as Brian said, it's the fact that there were multiple concrete plans. Right. So if you sit on the kind of Tea Party Freedom Caucus end, you just want to repeal entirely. You want to get rid of it. You're done. Move on. If you're sitting in the kind of what I will call, for want of a better expression, the moderate Republicans, the kind of Paul Ryans, the, the, the people, relatively speaking, in the center who we uh, know most well, um, they, they realize that there's a whole load of people in their districts who are now getting in, uh, covered by health care. Um, it is bringing benefits. They don't want to repeal the whole thing. They just want to repeal parts of it. And so you have the, what happened last week was – this intention, I think Brian's put his finger on it, this intense conflict within the Republican Party. And then, of course, Trump wants something slightly different. And I think, yes, he does care. His name is associated with it. It matters to him. But he didn't really care about the out, the what it looked like. But essentially, you have these two factions in the Republican Party who have very different images of what it should look like. And therein lies the rub. Therein lies the problem because they could not agree upon it. And Brian's absolutely right. The answer is either you're going to have, and on this issue, on tax reform, I mean, the list goes on. Um, Paul Ryan is going to have to find a way to bridge the gap between what are effectively two very different parties with very different interests, the Tea Partiers and, and the kind of moderate middle of the Republican Party, and of course, the Trump administration, or he's going to have to partner with the Democrats, which is anathema at the moment. But otherwise, nothing is going to get done. And this should be seen very much as just one sign of what is to come unless somebody is willing to reconfigure. Yeah, I was. I wanted to add to that. I mean, I think that this is also indicative of a very half-hearted approach by the Republicans. I mean, they spent 17 days on this. Uh, you know, Obama went around the country having rallies, uh, making the case, inviting Republicans to have input. There are massive amounts of Republican amendments to the Obamacare bill in the end. There were zero Democratic amendments to this bill. 
the bill was not explained. It was polling at 17% public support. And on top of that, Obama was extremely popular in 2009. The Senate Democrats controlled 60 seats, where the Republican de- the Republicans in the Senate have 52 now. So, you know, healthcare legislation is something that often dies on the shoals of Congress anyway. But now they had a much more a much uh, slimmer majority. They had a much uh, more unpopular president, and they had somebody who wasn't interested in the details of policy. So when the Republicans came over to the White House, Trump effectively said, we need this because we need a win. And they said, well, we have to think about the details because this actually affects our constituents and they're going to vote for us or against us in 2018. And he said, don't worry about the small stuff. I mean, he used a different word than stuff. But, but you know, the, 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 the point here is that Trump is, is going to learn the hard way. Two lessons from this, I think. One is that his legislative dream team is not actually a dream team. He has his son-in-law. He has a Republican fundraiser. Uh, he has a pollster. And those are not people who build coalitions in Congress. Uh, the second lesson from this, I think, is that policy details matter for governing. And uh, he's, he's going to, to have to either learn those details or he's going to continue to have these sort of failures because you don't just slap your name like you do on, on Trump stakes and then find that uh, the product sells. It's not the same in Congress. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. The thing is with Trump, I mean, he he doesn't really seem that bothered about about healthcare because I think I'm right in saying that before the vote he sort of issued an ultimatum where he basically said well sorry before the vote that never happened he basically <laughs> said you need to vote on this by Friday or we can just forget about it I don't think he cared about healthcare he cares deeply about tax reform that's the thing that if he had had his choice I think he would have wanted to start with tax reform now um but Congress had been talking about you know the Republicans in Congress had been talking about repealing healthcare for seven years that's what they wanted to go with. He said yes. 
That's what they did. It was a failure. He's now going to have to, in a more politically weakened state, work on tax reform, which is something he does care deeply about, which is something that Paul Ryan cares deeply about. He's going to find it a lot harder now. But I think you're absolutely right. In the end, yes, this was something he ran on. But even then, he didn't run on... This wasn't one of his central talking points. This isn't something that he... That is part of what he would consider his agenda, which I think is why he just didn't invest the time or the energy. He assumed it could get through. He was wrong. He That's tweeted cool. something like, healthcare policy is complicated, who knew, or something. As yeah, a, as well, the other thing is, I mean, you can make an argument, and, and I've just come from a conference in Brussels, and a lot of the folk there, um, a lot of the Americans there were talking about this too. This actually may end up having a positive for him. If it's Obamacare, it's still Obamacare. When it fails, or if it fails, or if it becomes more costly, he can continue to blame it on Obama. If it suddenly becomes Trump care, when there are problems, they will people will blame it on Trump. So he may have actually managed to avoid a really tough spot by not actually having his name on the healthcare system uh, and and then having to deal with all of the health healthcare problems that that arise from it being imperfect, which, of course, it would be. But, I mean, do we think that ordinary people are, are going to blame Trump? Because it, it seems to me that, um, you know, it's clear that he sort of said, I'll repeal and replace Obamacare as a sop to the Republicans, but it was very much Paul Ryan's thing. And at the end of the day, you know, he was the one who was the, the face of the, the failed bill, if you like. And it just seems that Trump just sort of got involved to sort of lend his weight and to try and um, whip people. I don't even know if that's how Americans refer to it. So isn't it Paul Ryan who's going to be, as someone said earlier, on the ropes much more than it is Trump? I think there's going to be a lot of blame thrown around. So, you know, Trump is going to blame anybody but himself, although interestingly enough, he hasn't actually yet fired out. He himself has not yet fired out at Paul Ryan. You know, some of the press, some of the Republican press, some friends of Trump have fired out at Paul Ryan. But there's going to be a lot of mud thrown around um, for the next week. But I, I, I think I, I agree with where Brian is, which is the thing we should take away from this. Yes, there's going to be mud thrown. Lots of people are going to be blamed. Who is to blame? It is actually more broadly um, the politicians, if you will, who actually have gotten so partisan today that they have stopped looking at what is the problem and how do we fix it um, and how do we bring whatever coalition we can. I mean, the Republicans are still of the position, Ryan is still of the position that he has to solve problems using just his caucus. So that is that is to say bringing together the kind of right, if you will, Tea Partiers and the centrist Republicans rather than having anything to do with the Democrats. And until we actually get ab above that and say, actually, what's the right solution? And there are some politicians in Washington who are doing that, who are talking about that, or who are talking about crossing the aisle. Um, but the more profound question, I think, is moving on from healthcare. What does this mean in terms of what Trump has learned that might change his behavior? And what does this mean about what, what we know about some of the legislative battles to come and whether they're going to make any progress? Um, and I think there is going to be a really steep learning curve for the next few months. Yeah, and Paul Ryan even acknowledged this in his speech. I mean, one of the lines that he had was something to the effect of, it was a lot easier to say no for the last, you know, eight years. 
governing is hard, and he's right about that. It's much harder to to say yes to something than it is to say no to something, and that's why they voted 60 times to repeal and then had their shot and, and, and didn't even hold a vote. Um, but I also think that you know this makes it more difficult for the legislative agenda going forward, not just because of the, fi- the fissures in the Republican Party, but also because of the finances, because they were counting on this bill to the, the initial assessment by the CBO, said the Congressional Budget Office, said that this bill would save the federal government about $300 billion over 10 years. And that's money they could have played with for tax reform or tax cuts. And now they don't have that. So, you know, the Republicans are, are caught with their own rhetoric again because they have pledged, especially the Tea Party wing, to not increase government spending without uh, corresponding cuts. And if they're trying to do some sort of sweeping reform, uh, that's going to be very contentious. The tax cut will be easier because you just simply lower the rate. But how do you pay for it? So, you know, they're going to have a very hard time and, and the sort of uh, optimistic thinking that, oh, we'll move on from the, the morass of healthcare and then go into the easy realm of, of taxes is very naive. Uh, it's much, there's so many people that have money, very strong uh, power and, and, and a huge amount of money at stake in the tax reform debate. Before we leave the morass of healthcare, though, just, <laughs> just one simple question, which is that um, are we going to see uh, Obamacare repealed and or replaced with something else at some point in in this term of Trump, or has he has he missed the shot now? Are we are we? I don't I don't system? think I don't think Trump is going to go back to it. Um, I think we've missed that. What we might see is small changes, and I I think the the kind of smarter way forward is going to be small changes in the margins that make it better. Um, I think we're going to see, I mean, inevitably, we will see over the coming months, the states take different approaches uh, and move forward in their own kind of ways. And I think this is actually going to be the pattern on a whole set of issues where uh, you just can't get things done in the federal government through Washington. And actually, states take a leadership role that until now, uh, they've taken in the margins, but it hasn't been a central area of progress. I think now we're going to see states on a whole host of issues really move forward. Yeah, I think I think that Paul Ryan was right when he said Obamacare is the law of the land. I think it's going to stay. I think there'll be minor tweaks. Um, and that's the approach that should happen because it provided a lot more coverage and it was it's, it's, it's getting too expensive. So they need to bring down costs. They need to keep the coverage. Moving on to what comes next um, now that this um, plan to repeal and replace Obamacare has failed. Oh, is it going to be tax reforms next? And maybe we can look at, Xenia, what you mentioned about how this uh, failure is going to affect further attempts to change legislation. I mean, are we going to see the Republicans be more cautious mm-hmm. or just, just take more time? Because, I mean, 17 days to rewrite a bill, even to me, sounds very, very optimistic. Yes, probably more cautious. Um, and I think that will come out of the White House, just a sense of not actually moving forward until you know you can succeed. So I think there will be a hesitancy in that respect. Um, I think that uh, tax form is top of the agenda now. Um, I agree absolutely with Brian in, the, in that uh, that's going to be really hard to do now that the health care reform hasn't gone through because they uh, the Republicans just have a lot less wiggle room than they did. If you can't um, increase spending, uh, then it's essentially you, you have a lot less space to maneuver. Uh, they'll probably do something on the corporate tax rate and leave the individual tax rate for a little later. Uh, the other area that, again, is going to be really hard, given that you can't really increase spending in a significant way, uh, is, but I think that is high on Trump's agenda, is infrastructure. 
Uh, and that's somewhere where he's talked about public-private partnerships, and he might try something clever to move forward in terms of uh, improving America's infrastructure, which it sorely needs. But that's something where there's a lot of different, a bit like Obamacare, right? There's a lot of different views in uh, in Congress and the Senate about how to exactly go about achieving that. There's a lot. All of these do. And I mean, this is the thing. When, when November 8th um, brought in a Republican uh, president and a Republican House and a Republican Senate, the common discussion was now the Republicans hold everything, they're going to go forward. And it it masks the fact that the Republican Party is effectively three parties today. Um, you've got Donald Trump and the kind of Trump faction. He does not have support in Congress. There are no Trumpisters, if you will, in Congress. Lots amongst the American people, not in Congress. In Congress, these two factions I've already discussed, the moderate uh, middle, if you will, and the Tea Party, they are three separate parties. They should be considered as three separate parties. Um, and they are going to have to come up with some agreement unless they're going to work with the Democrats. Ironically, the groups that are most aligned are actually um, the kind of Hillary Clinton Democrats and the John McCain, Paul Ryan Republicans on a number of issues. They're the ones that actually are most likely to be able to work together in terms of finding common solutions. But of course, they sit on opposite sides of the aisle. So whether they'll be able to is a different matter entirely. If I, I mean, if I were advising Trump, I would actually tell him not to do tax reform, not to do infrastructure right now, because you know the, what they're they are going to be more cautious. They are going to take more time. So the so imagine that they go right into tax reform and it takes two hundred days. The next two hundred days, part of the narrative is they failed on health care. Are they going to fail on taxes? They need a, a, a quick win, um, and and this is where they should probably go to something like deregulation, which there's a reasonable amount of consensus in the Republican Party across the factions. They could do something symbolic. Uh, people do not look at policy details. Voters do not pay attention to how momentous a piece of legislation is. They will just see the headlines that they passed something and the signing ceremony existed, et cetera. So from a political point of view, that's what they need to do. From from a uh, policy point of view, that will make very little difference probably. So you know, I, I think that there will be tax reform on the agenda in 2017, uh, but, I, but I think that it is going to be bogged down in a huge amount of uh, contentious uh, debate within the party. And do we think there's going to be any further fallout from um, the this whole Obamacare, Trumpcare mess? Um, because, Zina, you were saying earlier that Trump hasn't yet gone after Paul Ryan, but I saw that he tweeted something like, watch this show on Fox News, the presenter's a woman called Gian, and she opened the show by slagging off Paul Ryan. And people were saying, oh, was that sort of like a little dig at him? Did he know what she was going to say? Is there any chance we could see Paul Ryan getting demoted over this? Absolutely. Um, now, whether that demotion comes because, you know, uh, Donald Trump has put a hand on the scale or whether that demotion comes because the Freedom Caucus, who didn't like him when he was elected, don't like him now, want to get rid of him, who knows? Um, but Paul Ryan is in a really tough job. You have to remember back when he took the position he really didn't want that position. He, I mean, this is a, uh, this is not a position anybody wants right now because you have. As I, I, I'm going to keep coming back to it, you you have what is ostensibly a party that you have to hold together, that really isn't a party where they have incredibly different interests um, and priorities, and so you're trying to hold something together that, frankly should actually be split up, should actually be two parties. I mean, if, if we were going to throw all of the hats in a ring and then bring them out again, the way you would break down the party lines would be fundamentally different from the way they are today, quite possibly. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that Paul Ryan is in a difficult spot politically, but he's also the only name that really resonates across the spectrum where people sort of, I mean, even the Freedom Caucus who doesn't see eye to eye with him, they admire him to a sense that they think, okay, he's a competent guy, right? And and this is what's keeping him, uh, you know, afloat is that basically he's acceptable to virtually everyone in the party. He's not their first choice, but he's acceptable to many people. Um, I also think that, you know, the the, the fallout from this politically – is is made much worse by the fact that Trump is extremely unpopular because you know you can sell an unpopular bill to constituents if the president itself uh, is is sort of you know bringing the party up, but people are worried. Okay, if we back Trump on this, and, the, and already the you know the bill is polling at seventeen percent support, Trump is polling at thirty eight percent, thirty seven percent approval ratings, and we have midterm elections. You know, the, the, for the Freedom Caucus people, they're less worried about that because their their main you know worry is a, a primary from the right. But for the moderates, especially in p- places where Hillary Clinton won, uh, you know, backing Trump is a terrifying prospect. So, uh, you know, if they if they jump ship with Paul Ryan, the, the moderates and the Freedom Caucus probably think they'll get something worse. They're probably worried about that. So, I think for the foreseeable future, he's going to be in charge. Uh, he's got one of the worst jobs in Washington, and I don't envy <laughs> him. So. So it sounds like in many ways that the, the, the sort of mess that we started off this podcast talking about has, has kind of thrown light on a lot of cracks, a lot of fissures, a lot of frictions, a lot of structural problems in the Trump administration and in the, in the legislature. Um, is it too simplistic to say that if you are a supporter of Trump watching what's going on, you should be very scared about his ability to do anything very much? Conversely, if you are a uh, opponent of Trump, you should be feeling very encouraged. Are we are we looking at um, a president who's much weaker than we thought? Or is that too simplistic? I think it is too simplistic. I think that most people who understand the policy process knew this was coming. I mean, this is this is no great surprise. I mean, Trump has um, been fairly clear about what he cares about, about his lack of interest in getting into the details. Um, so this about it, you know, you look at his team, they have very, very little um, policy understanding in terms of the policy process. And in fact, that's what he ran on. Um, is not having being an outsider, et cetera, et cetera. So I think to anybody who's been involved in policy and politics, kind of, it was just a question of how quickly this hit, and you know now it's hit. Do you come away from it, you know, clapping your hands with glee if you're uh, a Democrat or, or um, if you don't like Trump and and being miserable? No, you don't, because I think the people who do support Trump won't see this necessarily as a Trump failure. They will see this as the failure of many, many different things, but not necessarily a Trump failure. And I think those who um, don't like Trump will see this rightly as it is, which is to say America is going to find it really hard to get anything through for the next um, two to four years. Uh, And nobody can be pleased about the fact that if we thought Washington was dysfunctional before, if anything, it's arguably going to be less uh, even more dysfunctional. Nobody can be happy about that fact. So I, mean, I think it's, I don't really think that this is um, good news from any perspective, uh, but it's probably uh, not going to send the right messages, if you will, which is to say, okay, that didn't work. You're going to have to find a different approach, Mr. President. Yeah, I think the the, the question here is how much support he's going to bleed uh, over the next you know months, uh, and especially heading into the midterms. The, when I worked in politics, we sort of believed that you know if we put 
you know, anyone on the ballot as a Democrat, we get 40% of the vote. If you put anyone on the ballot as a Republican, we get 40% of the vote and you're fighting over the 20% in the middle. And, and that sort of held true for Obama's presidency to the extent that his lowest approval rating ever was 38%. And Trump has already gone below that. So I, I think that changes the calculation of how people perceive him. Is, is he going to start losing Republicans more? Because um, consistently in the approval ratings, he's basically lost the Democrats and the independents, but he's got 85 to 90 percent approval ratings among Republican voters. And if that shifts, his presidency becomes very different. Um, but, I, but I think that you know, the, the, the key question here is how the Republicans uh, find that center of the Venn diagram bef- between Trumpism and Republicans in Congress. And I think there is some room there. Um, so you know, th- that would be my, my advice to them is to try to show that you're not completely dysfunctional. Uh, find that center. Um, and, and in terms of the reactions to his presidency so far, I mean, I, I do oppose a lot of things personally that, that Trump proposes. Uh, I, I'm heartened to see that his recklessness uh, is still intact. I mean, I think attacking the press, the intelligence, Republicans in Congress, and now the right wing of the Republicans in Congress who should be his staunchest allies, uh, it's stupid. I mean, it's just really stupid because all of those people and all those groups can hurt you politically, and he's already vulnerable. So, uh, you know, if he keeps on boxing people in and, and attacking them and, and, and making it politically wise for them to stand up to him, he's going to have even less uh, ability to get things done in Washington. Can, can I just add something? Because I feel like we've spent the last 20 odd minutes um, saying how broken the Republican Party is and how fractionated the Republican Party is. And I think it is worth mentioning that the Democrats aren't going to be able to necessarily take away a win. They're also very much um, a party of two parties at the moment. And as far as I can tell, they haven't even started coming to grips with how they're going to move forward, what their policy agenda is going to be. How do they bring the kind of Bernie Sanders and the Hillary Clinton factions together to come up with a unitary agenda. They have the time because to some extent they're now the party of no and they really don't have to do anything right at the moment because the Republicans keep shooting themselves in the foot. But at some point they are going to have to come together uh, in order to make progress, in order to move forward. And right at the moment, I don't even see them trying to do that. So I think we... I just wanted to put that other side of the coin, uh, coin out Just there. to completely depress us from both <laughs> sides of the house. Okay, well, I think that's all we have time for. Um, I'd like to thank you both so much for coming on the show. Thank you to everyone who listened in, and thanks as ever to our producer, Jordan, who's been sat here in the studio with us. For more insight and analysis, head over to newsweek.com or pick up a copy of Newsweek. Newsweek.